This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. It's a Blood Red podcast, courtesy of the Liverpool Echo. I'm Guy Clark. Welcome along. So the Reds off to the cottage on Sunday, looking to make themselves at home at the top of the Premier League table. Tottenham to come after that. But Klopp clear that focus must be on Fulham. We'll preview the game, discuss a big boost on the team news front. And as ever, we'll finish up with our team selection and match predictions. Making up the panel this Friday afternoon with Connor Dunn, Sean Bradbury and a Blood Red podcast debutant, David Lynch. David, how are you? Yeah, nice to nice to be on here for the first time. Uh, joining you guys to, to go through some pretty good results recently as well. So yeah, no, good, good to be here. And Sean hoping for a uh, Virgil van Dijk debut as opposed to Sean Dundee from the uh, the new man on the pod, hey? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, he's got a good squad to see him through here. Although I'm I'm on my second day back in after nine off, so very much working my way back into form and fitness here. But um, we'll get through. We'll get through. And Connor, how are you doing? It feels as though we're we're at a key stage of the season now. Obviously, gearing up towards the uh, the busy festive fixture. Yeah, I'm really good. Thanks, mate. I'm pretty excited of what's to come. I think Liverpool have got a good few games coming up. I think they can make the most of it and assert some dominance over the rest of the Premier League. And I'm excited to talk to everyone about that. <laughs> that does sort of sort of have the feel of it now. The Champions League and the group stage done with for now until obviously the new year and sort of now now time to sort of really lay siege to the Premier League. Yeah, absolutely. So we've got, what, six games coming up in the next 22 days. I think it's... 20 days if you start at Fulham and you've got what Fulham, Tottenham, Palace, West Brom, Newcastle, Southampton. You're looking at that and you think Tottenham's the big one, really. Um, you should expect to go to Fulham and recoup some of this goal difference that we got hammered away at Aston Villa. Um, then beating Tottenham will obviously be massive, but a few definitely winnable games in there Palace, West Brom, Newcastle. You'd be thinking you'd be heading into the new year potentially with five wins out of five there. So, it, yeah a really good set of fixtures over December. And I think Liverpool, one of the teams, actually, I know they've been playing a lot of football if you include all the European stuff, but they haven't got quite as hectic a Christmas schedule as some other teams in the Premier League either. Yeah, it certainly does seem that way. And and key for Liverpool, of course, to get off to a good start with these games that are coming up in December, of course, is knowing who is fit and available. Jurgen Klopp's been holding his regular pre-match press conference and first up was asked about team news. And here's what he's had to say. Costas, we have to see. Diogo, we have to see. He got a, a, a knock as well. Um, yeah, that's it from the game, I think. Um, apart from that, Oxley um, is in normal training. He's doing, doing parts of training now for a week or so. Um, it's now in full training and we will see. So the situation probably demands to involve him as soon as possible. But I don't know if the weekend is that moment already. Ali is, will train and if he trains and all fine, then he can play. Seems there, Sean, that there's a couple of big boosts for Liverpool on the team news front. Of course, Jürgen saying there that Alison Becker looks as though he could well be in line for a return and might not be too long before we see Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. Yeah, very, very welcome news. Obviously, the, the Allison one is great. Um, although, it has to be said, I think even, even Kelleher has done very, very well in his absence. Um, certainly to the extent where you wouldn't want to rush Allison back. Like, like Connor said before, it is a busy, busy period now. And especially with that Spurs game on the horizon, you certainly want Allison in for that, if possible. But you want him right as well. So, you know, I'm sure a decision, a sensible decision will be taken for the weekend, whether it's the right time to bring Allison back and 
get him some minutes, get his rhythm back before Spurs, or maybe to just hold out for Spurs and, and trust Gallagher to take the gloves again. Because he certainly done very well when he's had them um, in, in recent weeks, um, stepped up well. Yeah, so that, that knock for Jota is, is, a, is a bit of a blow, and hopefully, I think Klopp described that as a niggle, didn't he? He said Jota and Costas have just had knocks that remain to be assessed properly at the training centre in Kirby today, and then we'll see, see how they play it for Sunday. But yeah, he's just had such a phenomenal start to his Liverpool career. You, you really don't want to see it stop uh, at this stage, even if it's just for one game only. And I think the beauty of it now is three's gone to four, hasn't it? And Klopp can rotate and mix things up in the front line without any drop-off in quality, which potentially has been the case, I think, in recent seasons at times. So, yeah, hopefully we see Jota back as soon as possible. All the other kind of absentees, I think he said no one else is coming back. But then the offside chamber, the one, um, I think, not that he's kind of been a, been a forgotten man, really, in, in recent months, but I think his, his, the end of his recovery from injury does seem to have happened quite quickly. It was all of a sudden, a couple of weeks ago, he was seen kicking a ball around uh, in Kirby, and then... Yeah, now there's talk of, you know, training and, and potentially being thrust back into action. I think that could be a really big boost, to be honest, for this busy run in December. Like, the last thing you want, especially when teams have got, you know, games inside 48 hours, 72 hours, whatever it is, someone like Oxlade Chamberlain, either starting or coming off the bench, you know, an explosive kind of galloping player bursting through midfield and running at your defence. I think if he, he comes back and hits the ground running, and even if we only see him two or three times, maybe over the next few weeks before the new year, during this really busy period, I think he could be, you know, a, a massive boost for the Reds. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I guess the, the other ones that were mentioned, and we've shown talked about these on, on pods over the last week or two, but, you know, the fact that Trent is back now, and again, he's, he's had a bit of a run, hasn't he, in midweek, and maybe got a bit of legginess out of his, out of his body, and uh, I think he, he did okay in midweek on, on his return when he was captain of the side, but and was fizzing balls around, but perhaps not with the accuracy and, and kind of power that he normally would. So, yeah, hopefully he'll be back in, in rhythm. But despite the long-term absentees and, and a couple of little knocks, I think it is looking up a little bit for Liverpool on the injury front. So, so yeah, hopefully they can um, crack on on Sunday. Yeah, let's pick through them then. David, come to you on Diogo Jota and Sean there saying how Jurgen Klopp saying it's a niggle. We know that he's sort of got form sometimes, Jurgen, when it comes to saying it's a niggle and all of a sudden a player's out for three weeks. It would be a blow for, for Liverpool to lose him, albeit we are hoping that he may well even be part of the uh, the squad for Sunday's game. Yeah, I think I think the fact he, he played obviously eighty seven minutes didn't he against Michelin, so you'd, you'd sort of hope that, it, that it's nothing too serious um, and, and not one of those where maybe Klopp's bluffing on. Um, but yet, yeah, if, if it is anything more serious and he's losing for any sort of extended period of time, it's, it, it is a blow because he's obviously he's made such a fantastic start. He's such a goal threat. Um, I've been surprised in, t- in terms of his ability to sort of pick up those little spaces in front of the defense as well. You know, he's not just that last man who's been a finisher. He's he is quite creative as well. Um, and it's it, you know more than anything, if they did lose him for an extended period of time, it, it, it puts more strain, doesn't it, on that front three that's already there? You know, Salah, Mane, Firmino, um, in, in terms of their workload, so that causes their knock-on issues in terms of you know sustaining more injuries possibly. Through you know, it's still going to be a busy period this coming into December, as, as busy as the start of the season has been. So, you know, I think I, I think that's something you know you, you just hope that you, you know it is if he is to miss the weekend, then he you know hopefully could be back for Spurs because. I think over the long term, Liverpool would miss him because they need to keep things fresh. They need to keep have the options there, even if it's just making a late sub off the bench to to rest someone who's feeling a bit tired or felt a, a small knock. So yeah, hopefully, hopefully it's not one where Klopp's uh, lying to us. 
No, hopefully not. Let's uh, let's talk about the goalkeeping situation then, Connor, and about sort of Alison Becker. And I think only a, a couple of weeks ago, Reds fans would have sort of been praying for his quick return. Quevin Keller has come in and done so so well, and now everybody's it, it's sort of a, a welcome boost that he's coming back. But no one's really sweating too much about it. Yeah, so Keller has stint in the first team was always going to be short-lived. I have a little theory about Alisson. Um, I'll let everybody make up their own minds as to what they think, but it was a very specific amount of time that Klopp said he was going to be out. He said he was going to be out probably for three games. And if you think back to some others around who announced they've had the virus, missing exactly three games, I'm not sure Alisson suffered with an injury. And I thought it's worth mentioning that only because... So a few people, um, as people often do, just questioning Alisson, having a few niggles and comparing him to other top six goalkeepers that seem to have more longer periods in the team. I don't think this may be not an injury, but we'll, we'll see. Well, we won't see, we won't know, because Liverpool are very clever with their injury news, very clever with hiding it and bringing players back and not rushing people because they don't need to. But we have a small theory about Alisson, which... People may want to look into and not assume that he constantly has injuries. Um, away from that, it's a massive, massive boost for Liverpool, obviously. You know, he is the best goalkeeper in the world and having that in your team is no harm. Um, as you say, nobody's sweating on it, though, because Kelleher has been absolutely outstanding since he's come in. You know, he is an incredible shot stopper. I think that's what everybody at, you know, Melwood and now the Kirby Training Centre says about him. You know, he's, he's really, really got really great reactions, really strong shot stopper, you know. He can develop his game in terms of the crosses, catching and appearances um, and also a really good ball playing ability. So definitely made the step up ahead of Adrian and, and looks really strong. But yeah, I expect I expect Alisson to probably be coming back in this weekend because I think he'll probably give him the minute against against Fulham, get back into the rhythm with his defence in front of him to then really go to Tottenham all prepared and ready. Yeah, as you say, it has been a specific time and there were, of course, those sort of Rumours and speculation that it might be something to do with the virus. Of course, a, a confidential thing, I suppose, for the individual. But Klopp did sort of let it slip on Simicast, didn't he, after not really sort of confirming that one at the time. But we'll have to, to wait and see. But Sean, on sort of Queen Kelleher, and I suppose if he is to now drop out of the team, he does so with his reputation enhanced probably even as much as tenfold, given a few people when he came in for the Ajax game, probably a bit fearful maybe as to what he would produce, but he's been one of the, the standout performers in all of the games he's been playing in. Oh, absolutely. I don't I don't think it's a case of having just filled in, really. I think he has now undoubtedly leapfrogged Adrian, I'd say, to become the you know the, the second-choice keeper. Um, yeah, and if he, if he doesn't start on Sunday, I'd be sure that he'd be on the bench for this one. Um, but yeah, I think even if his spell as a starter is is ended after this this short period of time, and obviously you know if Allison is ready, he comes back in, doesn't he? But oh, he'll he'll take absolute world of confidence and good from from this little run. Um, you know, I think he's he's proved that he can cut it at the top level. You know, um, it's it's difficult for him, isn't it? Because he was on the cusp potentially of leaving on loan over the summer to go and get that that first team chance elsewhere, but that didn't end up happening because of just the, the wider goalkeeping situation. Um, so. I suppose it's a situation now, it's a little bit like Curtis Jones in midfield as well. The one minor benefit, I suppose, you can take from injury crises like the one Liverpool have certainly suffered at the start of this season is it does throw up opportunities for other players. And I think when you look at Liverpool and what's been required of them in the battle against Man City for the last couple of seasons and the points tallies we've seen, the ridiculously high standards, it is quite hard to blood young players in many respects. We look at City as well, like Phil Foden, 
He's a player who I think is brilliant. And if he was playing for another team, I think he'd be playing every single week. We've seen a bit more of him now, I think, this season. But it's been difficult for Guardiola, as it has been for Klopp. And, you know, it, it has offered them that opportunity. Keller has absolutely taken it. And I don't know if we're going to come on to Jones. Like Obviously, Klopp mentioned him in his press conference as well today. But there's another player who's absolutely grasped it and has, has adapted and settled into the first-team pitcher just brilliantly. Um, you know, and OK... In the, in the immediate short term, we, we're probably going to see a lot more of Jones than we are of Kelleher. But, you know, he's still very young, isn't he? He's got a decade or more ahead of him as a, as a goalkeeper. I think he's shown in, in this little spell with the glimpses we've seen of him that if he can maintain his consistency and form at that level, then, you know, it'll be a decade or more at top level. Yeah, I know Connor loves a, a seamless link and it's like you've read the script, Sean. I'm going to go to David next up here. And on Curtis Jones, comparing sort of the situation with Kelleher and Allison, we're expecting Allison to sort of come back in quite straightforward. With sort of Curtis Jones, if he's to drop out and Oxlade-Chamberlain to come back into the side, that's sort of nothing that can sort of be taken for granted because Curtis Jones has really become a crucial player in the last few weeks. Yeah, absolutely. I think he's shown sort of a side to himself that, that maybe some of us who watched him come through the academy didn't maybe know that he, he had as much in terms of that ability to, you know, be combative and, and do all the bits and pieces in midfield that you don't necessarily associate him with. You know, coming through from the 18s up to the 23s, he was more of a, you know, more of a number 10 and, and you know, occasionally you'd see him on the left wing, just very much a creative player, given sort of complete license to do what he wants, really, in the, the attacking third of the pitch. But that take on a lot more responsibility at first team level and, and, and learn a lot more about the game and, and the defensive side. I think he's shown that some really mature performances. I mean, Jurgen Klopp said the other day, didn't he, that his performance was like a 26, 27 year old, you know, and he, he's not one for praising Jones that much as well. I think it's a case of sort of trying to keep his feet on the ground. You know, he, he touched on that a little bit today about it. You know, you just want to keep him settled. You don't want it. You don't want him to get carried away with himself. So it's high praise indeed for him to say that. And I think that, you know, you have seen that in his performances. It'll be interesting to see, you know, obviously Oxley Chamberlain, I don't think he's going to be too much pressure on Jones' position initially just because he's got to build up fitness. He's got so many training sessions he needs to get through. But eventually, you know, we know how good he is as a player and that he, you know, plays very much a similar position. So it'll be interesting to see how that works out. I think I think the way the club will look at it is great to have the options, isn't it? Great to have the headache. And also for Jones, as good as he is, and, you know, he is still a young player and you, you don't want to put too many minutes in the legs. You've got to be careful with the management of them. So I think he'll be pleased that he's got multiple options there. And I think for Liverpool, it can only be a good thing that they're going to have those two players competing for that starting position because they're both, you know, excellent players. Yeah, definitely. And uh, Connor, it was sort of funny how Jurgen Klopp referred to Curtis Jones in the press conference today. He called him sort of the, the prince of the academy or, as it were, coming through the age groups and now says he's now a normal player. It would sound like a bit of criticism, but really it was somewhat of a compliment, wasn't it? Yeah, he was talking about Curtis Jones's personal development. So obviously, you know, Curtis on the pitch has been sensational, you know, against Wolves, he's amazing, you know, the, the, as David said, the free reign, the creative role, he's just looks excellent. But then the defensive side of it as well, the tracking back has been brilliant. But then the off, off of the pitch, he's obviously been the best player throughout Liverpool's academy the whole time he's been there. And, you know, Jürgen Klopp called him the Liverpool's prince and he stepped up to the first team and he's realised oh, there's actually some incredible players here and I'm now not the best in the team. So you wonder how an incredible talent who's built up this confidence and he is a very confident lad, which is why Klopp doesn't want to praise him too much. You you know, how he's going to react to that, not being the, the cock of the walk almost, you know, at Melwood where it was or now at Kirby. He's had to kind of settle in, but 
Klopp praised his players, didn't he? Saying that they they helped him just kind of kind of settle in, explain to Curtis Jones where he could develop and where his pathway could go and sort of showing him the things that he could do that he can't do already rather than being like oh yeah you're amazing come in and, and play with us sort of thing so yeah it's, it's really interesting it's amazing to see you know obviously 19 year old lad who we've known a lot about just coming in and you know taking his chance really yeah definitely and and on that and how he's sort of been able to develop Sean I suppose it's sort of the best kept secret that every Liverpool fan knows about. No one's been inside Anfield by the 2000, which you were one of against Wolves, but sort of he's been able to develop without that crowd and maybe in terms of his personality, hasn't tried to overexert himself. We saw Steven Gerrard, for example, when he was a young player, get himself sent off a couple of times, maybe get G'd up by that crowd. Curtis hasn't had that to deal with. And maybe it's been somewhat of a, a benefit, dare I say. That's an interesting point. Yeah, I hadn't thought about it like that. But yeah, I think you're right, Sadie, having that that homegrown tag as well. And everyone, every single fan of this club wanted to see a, a young scout to do well, which it certainly looks like he's trying to do. But I think, I think the lads have summed it up really well. And, and just kind of building on what Klopp said today about him always being the outstanding player at all the age groups as he's, as he's risen through the ranks of the club. I think that really must have taken some adjustment because there were some points... Maybe even like last season when we've seen him and when he's had his FA Cup cameos and, and things like that, where even in those teams, the, the nature of the sides that were picked, there was lots of young players in them for rotation purposes. He was he was still like the main man and still stood out. And I think even at the start of this season, and this for me just showcases his rapid development and, and kind of ability to adapt to what's required of the first team. Like think back to like Lincoln when he was just taking pot shots and obviously they were going in, which which is great. But then there was, what game was it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, this is what you get from him. I think it was the um, the Ajax away game where he started and it didn't quite go right. He was doing a little bit of ball chasing and I think maybe trying to take on a little bit too much personally and, and not being part of a midfield unit, you know, playing a little bit more like an individual, perhaps, perhaps a little hangover from being the outstanding individual at, at, at youth level. And you just over the over the last kind of month, six weeks, it, it's just that that hasn't been an issue whatsoever. I don't think he's looked like the tactical discipline and the the different kind of nature of what it is to be like a cog in Liverpool's midfield, if you like, has, has all settled into him. Um, but yeah, I think you know obviously he has had an opportunity because of injury. I think he's played a bit more than he would have done otherwise. But like you say, in terms of him always being an up-and-coming player at Liverpool. I think you saw that right at the start of the season in that Leeds game where he came on as a sub when there were other options. I think there was the likes of Milner on the bench, but Klopp turned to Curtis Jones as, as an option to come on and, and try and get the game secured and won. Um, yeah, so I think that was that was laid, that laid down a bit of a marker and kind of set the challenge for him of you're going to get a chance this season, can you take it? But yeah, he's absolutely done that and uh, hopefully that continues. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Well, of course, up next for Liverpool, a trip to Fulham, Connor. And Craven Cottage, actually, down the years, has been somewhat of a, a happy hunting ground for the Reds, albeit, of course, Fulham have been up and down in, in the Premier League. But the Reds will go there with plenty of confidence, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. I think they'll see this, as I said at the start, as a really big opportunity to claw back some of that goal difference on on those around them at the top of the table. Um, Fulham's performances might not or Fulham's results might not have shown the performances because they they do play a bit of football and they're not a bad side as a 17th perhaps say but with Liverpool's quality up front and in midfield and in defence and in goal just everywhere all over the pitch they're just going to be way too strong um 
you know, go interestingly for Mohamed Salah, it's not particularly, particularly happy hunting ground down in London as a whole, really, if you think about his trips down there. I think he's only scored against West Ham. Um, so I'm sure he'll be another one looking at this thinking, I can get some goals, I can help Liverpool onto the onto the path back to the top of the table rather than sitting behind Tottenham on goal difference. Um, but yeah, they. I think, you know, I, think, I don't think Fulham are going to be looking at this game and thinking, oh, we're going to try and get a win here. A result would be great for them, just in terms of the standard and the standings of where both teams are. David, I'll, I'll come to you next up. And Jurgen Klopp made a comment in midweek after the game about sort of Champion, Champions League action now being wrapped up and going back into the Premier League and almost sort of wanting to get Liverpool to, Connor said there, make up the goals that were obviously conceded against Aston Villa, but kind of make up the points that were sort of left out there against the likes of obviously Aston Villa to Aston Villa, Everton in the derby and obviously Man City as well. The points that Liverpool have dropped, maybe now try and go on a run of, of wins. Yeah, I think, you know, he always talks, doesn't he, about the, the idea that this this part of the season up until, you know, maybe late January is sort of a, a basis for, for everything you're going to go and hopefully go on and achieve in the latter part of the season. So, you know, we're still very much in that, you know, that part where he thinks about building a foundation and, and getting up as many points as possible to put yourself in a position to maybe go on and, and kick on and win it later in the season. So, you know, a game like this is, yeah, perfect example of, of I think the goal difference is worth mentioning. Maybe we're being ridiculously overconfident, but I think you know Liverpool with the strength they have and what they've shown over recent seasons versus the Fulham side who, you know, results are slightly improved. Performances haven't been terrible, but I do, I do think this still can be got at. You know, I think Liverpool will be going here thinking this, they should be coming away with the points, even though the fans are back in and that that element you throw into it, they should be going into the, this one with a, with a lot of confidence. And, and Fulham has been a happy hunting ground. A, a lot of seemingly last-minute wins down there recently. Um, I think Liverpool hope it's a little bit more comfortable than, than that. But, they've, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a good chance to get three points and, you know, build up a bit of confidence going into Tottenham as well. Yeah, certainly is the case. And Jurgen Klopp was asked about the title race, even in sort of the embryonic Premier League title that we, uh, Premier League season, sorry, should I say, that we are in, of course, Liverpool with only 11 games played. He was asked about the title race and sort of where the pressure comes from, whether it be the uh, teams chasing Liverpool, of course, joint top of the Premier League, or whether it be Liverpool themselves. And here's what he had to say. We were really we felt under pressure from ourselves last year, and that's the same now. That didn't change. We don't you don't look at other teams where they what is it? That's much too early in the season. And in the last match day is important. Where are the others, and where are yourself? Before that, you just create a basis um, for the rest of the year, and uh, that's where we are still in. Um, and so, whichever situation is there outside us, we cannot change. So we don't really uh, we are not focused on it. We just tried to win the next game and that's difficult enough. Sean, we spoke about it on Monday's podcast about whether it was too early to be talking about a title race in the Premier League. But it does feel as though this is the month where things are going to sort of take shape. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. I think certainly from Liverpool's perspective, you look at the last couple of Decembers and they've just blitzed through those months really, haven't they? They've kind of really turned it on and got results in all competitions um, I think pretty much won every single game, haven't they? Apart from maybe the, the Villa Carabao Cup on that last year, but the year before that, I think they won eight out of eight. Um, so they know what they know what it is to kind of get through this really tricky period. Um, but yeah, I mean, just in, in terms of the, just looking at the table now, I didn't. It, it, it almost seems weird every time you look at this Premier League table because it just looks like so many teams have got so many points, apart from those ones down the bottom who you know everyone's helped themselves to at least the points, if not three against. But 
yeah, for for seven, for only seven points to separate first to the tenth as it is now. You know, with a couple of teams, United and City, with games in hand there, um, to to potentially try and claw stuff back on. Yeah, I think this is this is a really, really interesting period now. What do you think? Just looking at fixture lists, though. Um, if you look at the kind of key contenders, I think Liverpool have got a a reasonably tricky run, and I think that that Spurs game is a big one, but. Like the guys have said, you know, Sunday's a game that you, you really would target to go and pull back a bit of goal difference and certainly get three points. I think it's going to be a real combination of, oh, here we go, it's a very, very handy little title slide here for us. But, you know, some of those games there, the fact that you've got Spurs and Chelsea with three aways each in their next uh, four games. City with, you know, well, every single time City play at home, it seems to be against the bottom half team, I, I seem to think, when you, whenever you look at their, their fixtures. But, you know, United is, is always a test for them, isn't it? I think Liverpool will look at that as as the more kindly of those of those sets of fixtures, and you know when you consider that these games are coming thick and fast, and the gap between them aren't as plentiful as they might normally be at other times of the season. I think this is really big, you know, this this period. And I think we you know we know what Liverpool are all about, um, and you know they've they've made the most of the adversity that's been thrown their way this season. Done brilliantly in the Champions League, kept on grinding results out broadly speaking in the Premier League. But I think we'll really see now what. Spurs, Chelsea, and even City. Like you know, because I think the one I've been most impressed by so far would be Chelsea. I think they've looked the most balanced. They've looked dangerous going forward, but they've looked pretty miserly at the back as well. I think they've only conceded like eleven and scored twenty-five in the league, which you know is pretty impressive. If they, if they can keep that balance going, they'll 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 do really well. But but can they keep that up? You know, now the the games get a bit tighter. I think Spurs as well. It you know it, it's great in a way to see Mourinho and his needle back in the league and and going full throttle, but the way he kind of tries to switch between soaking it up against the big teams and hitting them on the counter and then trying to be a bit more expansive against the smaller teams, that that mixture of identity, it's I wonder whether that could almost catch them out. You know, it's it's it is asking like almost to have two styles of your of your team, uh, depending on who you're playing. And and City as well, you know, they they've got some tough away there. Um United, Saints and Everton. I think if they can get close to maximum points out of them, then we you know we, we can really see it. That City will be a threat again this season, but yeah, this is um, you know, festive season's always very kind of meaningful and um, sort of the men from the boys, if you like. But I think this one more than most will will tell us a lot about the title. Yeah, and Connor, we've got sort of the the next four fixtures taking sort of into account the, the Boxing Day game and obviously the, the the day after for Liverpool when, of course, they have West Brom come to Anfield, but. Looking at those fixtures, certainly Tottenham, you've got the feeling, obviously, they come to Anfield in midweek, but they've Leicester and Wolves to face as well. And Chelsea, after the likes of, obviously, the trip to Everton this weekend, they've also got Wolves as well. It does sort of feel as though these games really are going to sort of whittle it out as to who are going to be the contenders, who are the pretenders. And I just wonder how many points you think from the four games Liverpool really ideally need to be targeting. Well, I think you're looking at a minimum of 10, to be honest. Um, Fulham... You, we've obviously discussed in a bit of detail. You're looking at that. You're going down to claw back some goal difference. I'm always super confident and super optimistic, but I just don't see anything other than that there. Tottenham being at Anfield, that's a big help, especially this time of year and a big sort of psychological boost. Those 2,000 fans that were back for Wolves made obviously a massive, massive difference for Liverpool. You had Wolves players like Dendonka coming out afterwards saying it felt like they'd... 15,000 fans inside Anfield would make such a noise. So, you know, that's, that will have a massive effect on the players, of course. That will give, and Klopp spoke about it today, it gives Liverpool a massive boost. So, big help against Spurs. Then you've got Palace, who, you know, Liverpool do 
sometimes find it tricky against players like Zaha, but again, you'd expect to go there really and come away with all three points. And then West Brom at home is that on the 27th. You know, welcoming them to Anfield, you know, the day after Boxing Day is going to be another comfortable three points. So three for Fulham, one for Tottenham, three for Palace and three for West Brom. And I'm saying that Tottenham really is like a quite a pessimistic view because I, I expect Liverpool to win that game with Tottenham at Anfield with what rides on it. And I know that Klopp will be looking at that thinking, you know, if we can get ahead here, put a, a little gap between us and the play, and the people around us, especially as you say that Tottenham have got to go to Leicester. I know they, they host Leicester. I've got to go to Wolves, which is not easy. You know, Chelsea have got Arsenal, City and United. You know, I think it's a bit more of a favourable run for Liverpool. Um, the Tottenham game is obviously massive, but yeah, minimum 10 points, really. Yeah, I have to agree. I think 10 points is probably the benchmark. Is it too fanciful, David, looking at sort of fixtures on a piece of paper and trying to pick out where the wins and maybe the, the draws are going to come from for the Reds? Obviously, I think it's Spurs and Man City as well have Carabao Cup quarterfinals to deal with in the in the uh, Christmas week too. But it does sort of really feel as though it is all, all about this time of year and the Reds are, as Connor said, probably going to need at least 10 points. Yeah, I'd be like 100%. They'll be they'll be targeting they'll be targeting 12, won't they? We, we know you know we're hoping to get in clock standards that he sets. So and it is it is an important period. The the run that Liverpool have been on have been uh, struggling at the moment um, with injuries. They've had so many injuries to contend with, haven't they? I think um, it's it's been a case where you know people have been more happy to talk up other title contenders and, and try and make this into an interesting race. But I think. I think the likes of Tottenham and Chelsea should be concerned, really, that, that Liverpool are through this injury crisis or getting to the other side of it and picking up the results that they are. They're, they're in, you know, incredible form, aren't they? Um, you know, they've picked up so many points regardless of the fact they've had so many injuries. I think they've put themselves in a really good position to kick on now. So the, the challenge now for Tottenham and, and Chelsea, you know, I look at Tottenham. I think a good side set up well by the manager, but the, the issue they're going to face is the fact that they've got. Um, Strikers who were just putting chances away at an incredible rate um, that I, I don't know is sustainable. And Chelsea, can they keep that balance up? Which is something Frank Lampard's spoken about. So it's um, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting period. And, and I think sorting the wheat from the chaff is, is probably the best way to look at it. It's going to be interesting to see how it pans out. Yeah, certainly is. Don't know, Sean, if there's any sort of fixtures in particular this weekend. As I say, Chelsea going to, to Everton, the Manchester derby. Are we already at the stage of the season of spying on everyone else and checking out how they're doing? Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, everything is meaningful, isn't it? Any little gap that can be opened up is is useful. I mean, again, just looking at the table that, you know, already there's a gap there between Liverpool and, and City of six points. Um, you know, I, I certainly don't think they're... The only challenger for, for Liverpool to retain their title this season, I think, as we've said, Austin Spurs are certainly up there. I think not completely sold on Leicester now after after seeing how Liverpool dismantled them, and I think they've looked a little bit at one pace isn't the right way, but they, you know they've got a, a, a single way of playing that is effective in some situations and perhaps not in others. But you know, I, I think if you look if you look at this period now, I, I certainly don't see that gap between Liverpool and City narrowing from now to the end of the month to, to the new year. Um, and I think if it doesn't, you know, obviously you can't say that that's too big um, a gap to the City to make up. But, you know, it's it's this period I think it really, really is going to define the rest of the season. I think as well, given how quickly the games come around, all these games, like the one you mentioned there tomorrow, for example, um, Everton hosting Chelsea, 
it's massive for belief, isn't it? You know, if, if you've got tired legs and you've got another game coming three or four days later, if you've had a big scalp or got a, a really decent result away from home, put the pressure on the rest of your rivals, that's potentially going to just give you that extra 5 and 10% going into the next game to, to plough on and just, you know, keep those weary legs running. So, yeah, I, I, think, I think absolutely everything. Is, and, and certainly those games like, like Liverpool against Spurs, that's, it's a six-pointer, effectively. You know, it, 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 all being well, that'll be a top-of-the-table clash again um, by the time midweek comes around. So, yeah, everything is huge. I, I don't think we can downplay the significance of, of any of these games, really. I thought it was a really interesting point that David made just before you there, Sean. Just about, you know, Liverpool coming out to the other side of this injury crisis is so, so important. You know, they've been missing so many players, big players, you know, like Trent and Alisson and Thiago and all sorts. And these players are starting to come back. They're starting to, you know, come back and forth. We haven't seen since August. He's coming back in. And, you know, teams have had nowhere near as many injuries as Liverpool have had. Liverpool are still picking up results. Liverpool are still challenging at the top of the table. Spurs are going to be looking at this for one in the next couple of weeks think, or next week or so, thinking if they're winning against all of these teams, dismantling teams like Wolves, like Leicester, without every key star they have, what are they going to be like, you know, in February, say, when everybody's back fit and firing and ready just to basically go and claim the Premier League as comfortably the best team in it? No, I, I think that's that's a really good point. And I think as well, you know, the way the season's shaping up, obviously this isn't the case for every single team. You know, the, all the other European sides who are in the Europa League or in the Champions League, they've had they've had the same type of pressure that Liverpool have had and the, the weight of fixtures and, you know, in some cases, similar amount of, of injuries. Certainly City, I think, have suffered quite badly with injuries. But, uh, you know, for other teams, this is now going to be where they really start to feel the pinch. And I think it'll almost feel like a different sport for some of them because suddenly the intensity cranks up a little bit and, you know, what all the things that everyone said that players have spoken about not getting proper pre-season training timing and all these muscle injuries that are, that are jumping up um, across the league, really, you know, not, not just in Liverpool and, and City squads. They're all going to start feeling that now, aren't they? So, um, yeah, I think that potentially could be a slight advantage for some of the teams who've, who've been dealing with that already and, I think, you know, going back to what we were saying before about how Klopp and Liverpool have dealt with Decembers in the past, I think he's always had a plan for, for this period. And, you know, I think that just must have been the case, given how well Liverpool have done and over the festive season, over the last couple of campaigns. And I think especially so this season, they'll have really drilled down with the sports science team as to how much rotation is needed, when players will need to be brought off. We saw game time being managed midweek, didn't we? You know, obviously that was a dead rubber game and perhaps it was always going to happen. But... I wouldn't even be surprised if the rotational plan, you know, barring extra injuries, which you know could well happen, has already been laid out for the next couple of weeks. And he probably knows, broadly speaking, the thrust of how each team sheet will look as things stand already. Um, you know, Pop's obviously banged the drum for player welfare for a long, long time, hasn't he? And, and the other side of that coin is he, he seeks to be a manager who plans for it and does the best by his squad in terms of managing their minutes and, and things like that. Um, so, yeah, I, I do wonder whether some of the other teams will feel a bit of a short, sharp shock in these games to come over the next week or two. Yeah, could well be the case. Well, spoke there, obviously, about the title race and how it's shaping up. We best get into our team selection for the trip down to Fulham. And, uh, well, I'll make the bold shout of saying that Alisson's going to be between the sticks. Connor, I'll come to you. Uh, you can uh, lead us on the, on the defence. Yeah, without doubt, Alison, for me. Um, Trent, obviously, played his minutes against Michelin. That is definitely within a view to get him back into form. He'll be in. Robertson, Young, Scott, no Simicast. 
to Canock. Um, Centre of defence, Joel Matip's going to play and Fabinho has been absolutely outstanding and I don't see why Jurgen Klopp isn't going to want to get every three points he can in this Premier League. Just how good, David, has Fabinho been? Because he looks as though he's actually a sort of a seasoned centre-half, certainly with those goal-line clearances that he's beginning to make somewhat of a trademark of. Yeah, absolutely incredible. I think, um, you know, obviously Jurgen Klopp had a big decision to need to make over the summer in terms of not bringing in that extra centre-half. There's quite a bit of pressure on him about that, really. And I think, you know, although he's been terribly unlucky in terms of losing two of his main centre-halves to injury, I still think there's been an element of him being proven right about one thing, which is that Fabinho is such a good option there. I think he's been absolutely remarkable. Um, you just at no point when you're watching him do you think that he's a he's a midfielder doing a job there. And I think um, you know that's just testament to how good a footballer he is, how intelligent he is, um, and he's just got all the skills you need to be a top class centre half. And that that's exactly what he's you know he's likely to be asked to be for Liverpool until probably the end of the season, even if they do bring in an extra body in January. So. Yeah, phenomenal. And, and yeah, I totally agree that he, he, he starts in that defence uh, at the weekend. I'll stay with you then. Maybe this is where you earn your corn on, on your debut. Maybe the, the toughest selection issue in the midfield. Midfield three or, or midfield two at Fulham? Yeah, Centre and Park, I think, is, um, is, is just, even though they're getting players back at the moment, I still think it's sort of a, a tough one for, for Klopp to go out because I think. Obviously, Henderson and Wijnaldum, probably the two, you know, Wijnaldum gets his well-earned rest, doesn't he, in, in midweek. So, you'd imagine he'd be in his absolutely ridiculous, boundless energy that he's got. He'll, I'm sure he'll be straight back into the team. Henderson, obviously, he can't drop into captain. He's fantastic form at the moment. But then that, that position ahead of them, I think, it's the one that, you know, in the weeks ahead, we, we, we touched on this earlier, it's, it's probably going to be the one position that's maybe slightly more up for grabs uh, going forward. But I think... At the moment, the form he's in and, and where Oxley Chamberlain is up to in his recovery, I think you've, you've maybe got to go with Curtis Jones there again for me. And, and you know, this he may play a bit less football going into this period we're coming up into because of the players that are coming back. But I think I think for now he's got the shirt and he, he fully fully deserves to, to start this one. Sean, do you agree with that? What would your midfield be? Yeah, absolutely the, the very same. I think the the team sheet and the the bench. And then even what was done with the substitutes in midweek was quite instructive. Yeah, I'd be I'd be surprised if it wasn't Wijnaldum in the, in the kind of deeper role, Henderson on the right where he's been thriving, and, and Jones as well. Yeah, I think they're they're the three. You can kind of see the argument perhaps for a two. I think if you had everyone fit, but uh, sorry, every forward fit ahead of them. But you know you haven't got Yotta perhaps. You know by the sounds of it, you haven't really got Shakiri. I don't think Origi's out to get a start so um, yeah I'd, I'd stick with the three in it and it would be those three and the forward three are the forward three are they? yeah they've got to be haven't they? Um, we've just, just taken a knock I don't see anything other than that just want to mention my stat on Salah that I mentioned earlier I was waiting for this team selection he's scored one goal in his last 12 trips to London and that was against West Ham in January which it's just surprising you know he shouldn't be surprised because he scored so many goals but it's just that isn't many so I'm expecting him to thoroughly put that one to bed. Maybe that's why he struggled at Chelsea, I think. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. He doesn't like the capital. <laughs> yeah. No, we, we've stumbled upon something. There, there is there is sort of something within Salah, isn't there, that certainly, I think it was last season, he, he didn't score many away goals, albeit across the board, whether it be in the capital or not. But anyway, let's get to our match predictions. Sean, I'll come back to you for your scoreline. What do you reckon the score is going to be? Uh, I think there'll, there'll be a few goals, mostly for Liverpool. I think Liverpool will get three or four. I could perhaps see Fulham getting one. Um, let's go with 4-1, the Reds. 4-1, bold shout. Connor, yourself? 
4-0. Inspector Gadget Fabinho and Alison safe hands. No goals for Fulham. No one's getting past them. And David, what do you think the score's going to be? Yeah, I'm back in that, that back five. If it starts to, to get a clean sheet, I think I'll go for a more conservative 3-0. <laughs> well, we're all expecting them with that back line. Liverpool to be safe as houses down at Craven Cottage. That's it from us here on the Blood Red podcast. Do remember to stick across the Liverpool Echoes coverage for the game. All of the build-up, the live match blog, of course, and plenty of post-match reaction. Plus two here on the Blood Red channel. We'll have the debrief live after the game as well, of course, as Jurgen Klopp's post-match press conference. But from myself, Guy Clark, David Lynch, Conor Dunn and Sean Bradbury, thanks for joining us here on the Blood Red Podcast. It's bye for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.